Hi, welcome to Unmasking Your Power with myself, Sarah Poussant, owner and director of the Rainbow Clinic Paediatric Occupational Therapy. Unmasking Your Power is where I get to sit down with amazing business owners and entrepreneurs and pick their brains about all things business and life. We delve into their secrets, passions, values, morning routines and what makes them successful and ultimately happy. Welcome back. Today we have Jean Kelly back on Unmasking Your Power. It is so exciting. This is obviously part two of our episode with Jean. Um, so if you missed it, go back to part one um, with Jean as we sort of got together and there was a lot of content and I loved having him on the channel to talk about his passion, which is breath and ice. Uh, and so we realized we didn't want to finish there. We wanted to continue today. Um, so there's going to be a lot more exciting um, and groundbreaking uh, resources and tools and tips and strategies. And also throughout this recording part way in, we're going to do some more breath work. So that's exciting. I'm looking forward to that. So thank you, Jean, for coming back. And thanks for your time and commitment to this quest. Thank you for having me. Excited to be back. I had such a great time last time we, we spoke, so keen to do it all again. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so we're going to start with if you can tell us a little bit more about your vision for the future. I think we're talking about all the exciting things that you've got on, um, but what's your vision for the future? Sure. So the vision for my future is uh, I'm moving into... Um, turning my passions into a bit more of a, a, a career. So it definitely um, is built from the ground of my previous career, which is a personal trainer, which I spent 15 years doing. And as we spoke about last, last time we spoke, uh, you know, became more and more holistic and asked deeper and deeper questions as I pursued, you know, what facilitates transformation and lasting positive change uh, and health for that matter. Um, and now uh, I'm translating all that knowledge and experience into a series of workshops with my partner, Allura. So we're starting a, a brand called The Heart Shift, where we offer mentoring and retreats and workshops. So we've got three signature retreats we're working on at the moment. The first one is fire walking. So it's awesome. all about facing fear. And uh, all, all my, my role in all of these experiences is basically explaining the neuroscience and the physiological aspects and that allows me to really anchor some of these ideas and concepts mm -hmm. in, in the material, in the body, in science, in, in a way that's provable and verifiable. Mm -hmm. um, so, for example, the firewalking walk workshop, which is all about fear, is going to be about how the feeling of fear influences how your brain operates and how that leaves you susceptible to manipulation. Mm -hmm. So um, we can see that a lot in the mainstream media and news and people develop this urge to keep watching to know what's happening next and what underpins that is this desire to be safe so as organisms we are in a human body and an organism yeah. body yeah. Um, it's subject to birth and death and that's kind of like the big dragon that we face in life everything's underpinned by this fear of death mm -hmm. um, and that is basically hijacked by you know all sorts of people that want to manipulate you, you for profit um, so a big part of that particular workshop is understanding the nature of the brain, not so we can um, reject the brain or the ego or our biology, but just understand its nature so we can transcend and include it. And then we won't be vulnerable to the manipulations. Another example I believe we spoke about last, last time we spoke is how um, our biology is hijacked to sell us products. For example, the body's wired to seek high sugar, high fat food. Mm -hmm. Because in the wild, through evolution, that was quite rare. So if you found something high fat, high sugar, eat as much of it as you can because you, who knows when your next meal will be. These days, there's no shortage of food. And high fat, high sugar food is available in abundance. And that's why we have a hard time stopping eating that stuff, even though it's not very good for us. Um, we're kind of wired to pursue that food. And I believe advertisers and fast food chains for example know that and yeah. and use that to their benefit so that's just one example we've also got another workshop called the altered states experience yeah. which is all about how mystical uh, experiences uh, and spiritual awakenings can foster a long-lasting positive change 
Um, so we're going to explain, explore the neuroscience of that and what happens when you have these, you know, Satori-like moments where you become one with all and how we can, you know, hopefully create those experiences which are really positive and, and transforming. And then we've got the Quantum Ice Workshop which is all about using cold exposure to um, master yourself and not let your internal state be dictated by your external state um, yeah. to become emotionally reactive to circumstances or challenges you face is really helpful and often makes things worse but if you can manage your emotions in those stressful environments you can actually remain clear-headed and and retain your clarity and that empowers you to make decisions that are aligned with your best long-term goals and you can weather those storms and keep moving forward as opposed to as i said become emotionally reactive and making things worse and the ice is a great way to embody that because it's a very stressful practice but you can drop into this deeper peace that allows you to cut your puppet strings and not be affected by the external world. So there's my long answer to a very simple question. It's kind of my style. <laughs> oh, <that laughs> but- was perfect. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. I think, um, you know, we, we spoke a little bit around uh, ice, but then we spoke about um, alcohol and how we, you know, people serving um the ego state with alcohol like so we, we we spoke a lot about around diet and healthy lifestyle i think this whole idea of holistic health you're living and breathing uh this very calm centered aura when people meet you so i think you know it's almost uh yeah you, you've transcended peace for me in all of 10 minutes by just starting our afternoon with breathing so I was saying right. to Jean, when, when we're fast paced and we've got meeting after meeting today or we're multitasking, um, you know, we often then in that high pressure job or high stress, we'll reach for sugar snacks, caffeine um, to help give us a pep to, to, to the afternoon. Um, but, you know, talk, talk to us about what we can be doing with our breath in a, in a high energy, fast paced role. Right. Well, what comes to mind when you mention that is that there are two ways about going about your day. You can run the day or the day can run you. (laughs) And um, when the day runs you, it's almost like you're trying to stay ahead. It's like you're trying to catch the end of the day and you're kind of on the back foot trying to catch up. And that's when you can, you know, lean on stimulants like coffee um, to, to pep you up or high sugar snacks for example Mm. um and then you're so wound up by the evening that you might need a wine to calm down yeah Yeah. wine to unwind yeah very (laughs) good so that's an example of the day running you and before Mm -hmm. i go any deeper into this you know i believe all things exist in balance there's time there's a time and a place for all things in life so you can enjoy a sugary treat if you like i like ice cream um you can enjoy alcohol if you like um I'm a big fan of coffee. I love yeah, having a nice coffee. <laughs> I love coffee. But but it's really important in my view that these things must exist in balance and when it no longer becomes a choice when you need that coffee or when that alcohol is beginning to compromise your health and well-being and you're unwilling to stop or maybe you can't stop, that's when things become a bit unbalanced. Yeah. The beauty of the breath is that as we discussed before we started recording, it's anchored in the present moment. So whenever you focus on the breath, you immediately come to the present. Your attention goes away from focusing on the past uh, or, or stressing about the future. And, and you can just become present in the here and now. And it's almost like you're starting on your terms when you do that. As far as uh, substituting some of these um, tools with breath, I think it's a great option. You know, a lot of people need that 2 p.m. coffee. And the issue with the 2 p.m. coffee is that it's going to compromise your sleep. What actually happens is the caffeine binds uh, to receptors in your body, which are typically used for uh, taking in what's called adenosine. Adenosine is like a sleep time hormone. Okay, It's different from melatonin. There's actually a couple different sleep systems in the body that synchronize together that cause you to sleep. And adenosine is like the sleep drive. It's almost like imagine that if you eat... From the moment you finish that meal, your hunger begins to increase until you start to feel hungry and desire your next meal. Wow. Adenosine is kind of like the same way. When you, As soon as you wake up from your sleep, adenosine starts to build, which drives you to want to have a sleep. And when you have coffee, you block 
adenosine from going into your receptors so you no longer feel tired which is great when you want a coffee because Mm -hmm. you're trying to wear like um ward off that sleepiness yeah the issue is that now your sleep's going to become compromised because the adenosine can't get in and do its job for your systems so that's when you might toss and turn or go to bed late etc you have a bad sleep and this Mm -hmm. perpetuates the need to have coffee the next day Mm -hmm. so what i can recommend instead of um coffee at 2 p.m is like a simple breath flow so a combination of fast and slow breathing can energize and reset you and, and have you calm and that will get you to the end of the day. Okay. Now, if you're someone who's maybe got a coffee addiction, you know, the, the the breath flow might be a bit like a nicotine patch versus a cigarette. You mm-hmm. know, it may not have the same kick, you know, because you're used to having a, a more potent substance. Mm-hmm. However, it's one step or one degree towards a more positive change. And as you begin to restore the balance with your relationship with, say, coffee, you will find that the breath work is a really tremendous aid uh, for that whole process. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. And I think uh, just on that, you know, when you're talking about caffeine can keep you up and you toss and turn, but the same effects alcohol has on our sleep cycle is that if you drink alcohol, uh, it also impacts sleep and you can be tossing and turning at night. And yet people will drink a lot, a lot of alcohol in order to pass out, they think, but their deep sleep isn't great at all. Um, so can you talk a little bit into the same sort of, you know, is that similar? Obviously, caffeine and alcohol doing the same. I believe they work on different mechanisms in the body. Okay. But as far as the, at the end of the day, your sleep's compromised. Yes, you know, alcohol does compromise sleep. And, and I hear a lot of people say that, well, if I don't drink alcohol, I can't sleep. And that's when we've got to draw the distinction between sleep and sedation because Mm -hmm. sleeping pills are the same in this regard too. Like, sure, you might be out, but when you're asleep and getting proper real sleep, there's actually a lot of activity happening in the brain. A lot of um, biological processes are taking place that rejuvenate your system, that clear out things from the brain, um, eliminate waste from the body and prepare you for the next day. And they're really, really critical to the biological process. But that doesn't happen when you say take sleeping pills or alcohol because you're becoming sedated. So that same uh, brain activity is not occurring in those instances and then you miss out on the benefits. That's why a lot of times people wake up feeling unrested even if they have taken sleeping pills or if they've passed out drunk, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think maybe a little bit around there also is um so breath work and how it can help people who have anxiety or panic attacks because often you know we're prescribed you know medication and must take our medication things like that but it's you know there is an underlying way that you can prevent the anxiety or prevent the panic attacks through meditation and breath work um so yeah can you talk to us a little bit about how breathwork could reduce anxiety and a lot of us in society now experience anxiety Uh, 90% of our thoughts are negative anxious self-limiting beliefs um so yeah can you maybe give us a little bit of insight around how breathwork can help reduce sure well I might go ahead and freestyle a little bit because there's Mm -hmm. some cool things that might be worth knowing on that topic so Mm -hmm. you mentioned that 90% of our thoughts are negative in orientation and that's true Mm -hmm. but there's a reason for it Uh, and again it's rooted in our biology and our evolution and it's because what we have is what's called a negative bias and that's because as we were evolving there were two types of mistakes we could make okay we could hear a sound in the bush And we could assume there wasn't anything in that bush that might hurt us. But the mistake is that there was. The next thing is that we could hear a rustle in the bush and assume that is something there that could hurt us, but there isn't. Now, one mistake you can keep making, okay? And the downside, the price you pay for that mistake is a bit of anxiety for no reason because there's nothing there. However, if you assume that there isn't something there and there is, or you're someone's lunch. Right, So it's in our best interests uh, from a survival and evolutionary perspective to assume the worst because then we're prepared and then we have a greater chance of surviving. And of course, if, like I said, if we make the wrong choice and there's nothing there, well, we just get a little bit startled. Right. So th- that's a, a reason that I see that we're negatively orientate, orientated in our thoughts. Mm-hmm. So the reason I share that is because yeah. when you understand that 
it's just your biology. Yes. You can you can put it down. It's not you. It, it's just your biology, and this allows greater room for compassion. You don't have to blame yourself. It's just like it's just your your inner animal that is how it's wired. So show some compassion for yourself if you are someone who's getting frustrated with say your your anxious thoughts. Yeah. Um, now to talk about how slow breathing can affect stress and anxiety, the first next thing I'd like to say is that we now have scientific papers that demonstrate. Um, how breath techniques can reduce anxiety. It's now been scientifically validated. In fact, one of my good friends, Johannes Egberts, was part of this groundbreaking peer-reviewed study. So huge accomplishment on Johannes's part. And, uh, you know, it's just scientific proof of what a lot of people know from their own experience. You know, a lot of us don't need to wait for the science. We can try it ourselves and and, um, validate it from our own experience. But... What you need to understand, again, comes down to the nervous system. So there's a part of your body called the autonomic nervous system, and you can think of it as the automatic nervous system. So it takes care of things that are beyond our conscious control that keep us alive. Mm -hmm. Now, one side of that nervous system is called the sympathetic branch, also known as the stress branch, and that's responsible for the fight-or-flight response. So a lot of people have probably heard of the fight-or-flight response but haven't really been taught or told about it and how it works to a really high degree but this is something that's really deeply rooted in our biology um, mm-hmm. for the same reasons we've got the negative thought bias yep. it's there to keep us alive okay. as we evolved we had to make sure we can stay safe away from predators which means when we encountered a predator we had to fight or flee mm-hmm. so whenever we perceive that there's a threat our body goes through a whole series of uh, hormonal and biochemical and neural changes that facilitate maximal physical output so we can fight or flee. So blood sugar rev- levels rise, stress hormones li- uh, rise, um, and breathing increases Okay, because we want to get oxygen to the muscles so we can fight or flee. Yeah. What's also really interesting about this is that we experience negative emotion. So this is where you can start to develop a bit of a cycle between mm-hmm. uh, the state of your nervous system the breath and your emotions and i may have mentioned this last time but it's worth repeating that how you feel both emotionally and in your nervous system is reflected in the breath so if you think about how you breathe when you're upset or angry it's short sharp shallow Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you're sobbing or angry that's how you breathe on the other side of the nervous system though we've got what's called the parasympathetic nervous system and it's also responsible for keeping us alive but it's mm-hmm. keeping us alive in the long term. Okay. okay? So if yeah. you think of the body like a car, I, I love metaphors if you can't yeah. tell. There are two ways a car can break down, by something in the external world or the internal world. You can either crash into something or you can break down from a lack of internal upkeep. Okay. So if this stress branch is keeping mm-hmm. us safe in the mm-hmm. external world, this relax or rest or parasympathetic branch is keeping us alive and well in the internal world. We're talking um, bodily rejuvenation, cell repair, repairing wounds and injuries, immune function. And what's also worth noting in this side of the nervous system is that this is the side of the branch that we connect with. It's also known as the social engagement system because part of surviving in the wild was having a tribe around us that could look out for us. Yes. So that's why when we're stressed... Mm-hmm. our ability to connect authentically with each other is compromised. Yeah. And that wow. led to um, you know, a lot of yeah. disconnect for me in my relationships too. I really struggled to really connect with people. Yeah. So it's worth knowing that when one system's activated, generally the other system's downregulated because the body has finite resources. Yeah. It's a sympathetic, parasympathetic work. Precisely, yeah. yeah, exactly. So they yeah. work like a seesaw. The idea is that you run away from the predator, get to safety, be held by your tribe and recover, shake it off. And then you go on living. Yeah. Now, here's what's interesting about the breath. It's both under our conscious and unconscious control, which means that how we feel influences how we breathe, but how we breathe influences how we feel. It's bidirectional. So what this means is that through breathing techniques, we can self-regulate. When we start to feel the stress response, if we grip onto our breathing, which we have control over, yeah. What that actually does is through a process called respiratory sinus arrhythmia, which means that your heart modulates its how fast it's beating based on how you're breathing. Okay, And for that, you can think of it almost like the body wants to be efficient in the delivery of oxygen to the cells. Yes. So if you slow the breathing down, but the heart keeps beating, that's like sending out packages uh, to the mailman, but he's got an empty van. Yeah. 
So what we want to do is slow down how many vans are coming in until we've got enough packages so we've got full trucks. Does that yeah. sort of make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. when you slow down your breathing, there's a slower oxygen delivery, therefore the heart slows down so it can be efficient. And because of the heart's role in so many different systems of your body, it basically communicates to the rest of the body that everything's cool. So what that does is go from the sympathetic response to the parasympathetic response, from stress yeah. to calm. Yeah. And that means that blood will stay in the high-level thinking centers of the brain. You'll be less emotionally reactive and you can manage that situation most effectively. I'm not saying the situation becomes all fairies and rainbows, but with any situation, we can make things worse or we can make it better, even if it's just a maintenance of our attitude. Yeah. Okay, because yeah. sometimes yeah. that's all you've got is a good attitude. Yeah. But certainly this pattern of reacting emotionally to mm. inevitable stresses in life yeah. will keep you stuck where you are and, and, and arrest your development. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you can self-regulate, think clearly, retain your clarity and stay calm, yeah. you can make choices that step-by-step -step orient you out of that bad situation. Yeah, I mean... And it's empowering. It's just like when you are talking about, um, you know, making business decisions, making, you know, we're, we're, we're multitasking, things are popping up, we're putting out fires, just trying to relate it to, you know, how we feel. But it's just often those, uh, like when you're talking about making the right choices, it's also making the right business decisions in a calm um, centered fashion was it you that shared the person in the room in a in a business meeting uh the person that's breathing slowly is look to that person for the advice yeah yeah well any situation in, in a crisis right? turn yeah. to the person who's breathing, breathing the slowest because they've got the clarity of mind to direct that situation decision. yeah totally yeah. Yeah. and this the thing is this yeah. stuff applies to any situation Yes. Whether you've got a screaming kid or a mm -hmm. high-pressure business meeting or big decisions to make, yeah. you need to be able to think things through and think clearly. And there's something to be said for trusting your gut as well. But mm. a lot of the time, we've got to think about how this decision is going to play out in the long term and how do I really feel about it. Yeah. So um, there's definitely application for business, huge application. But also as well, we know that um, a big part of business is forming healthy, positive relationships with people colleagues, colleagues yep. and, and partners and all yep. sorts of stuff and yep. if you are stuck in this high anxious state like i said you actually cannot properly connect with people you can't mm. um, foster an authentic relationship with them um and then it becomes all business but i think like the the, the most successful businesses retain that element of the human in them that human yep. touch you know what yep. i mean yep. and that comes when we feel safe and calm and, and confident with our abilities yes yeah uh, excellent. And I think that's uh, probably leading into, you know, we're talking about parenting then and how, you know, we want to be able to serve our children in their moments of dysregulation, their moments of, you know, emotional outbursts, temper tantrums, you know, it's often the toddler, screaming toddler, where we're only, when we're able to get down on their level, sit beside them, then when we can uh, talk and reason with them, we uh, then go in with uh, a consequence or, you know, because of that behaviour, we need this, this. So a lot of the time their peak state, you don't want to match their, um, you know, emotional outbursts. You don't want to be yelling. You don't want to, but often it triggers that in you. So here is where breath work can, can come in and really ground you from a place of, I'm able to serve and reason with my toddler when I'm calm and only when I'm calm can I do that. Like yeah, precisely. So the first thing I'll say is that this idea that tantrums are limited to just toddlers and children is not <laughs> it's true. Not true yes. Um there yes, are plenty there are plenty of adults out there <laughs> yeah. who don't have the self regulatory mm. capabilities to stay calm. Mm -hmm. Um they've mm. just got a more sophisticated way of articulating themselves, although even then doesn't stop some people from screaming and yelling. But, but yeah, I mean, what's really interesting is that, and this has been well documented, mm -hmm. we emit an electromagnetic field. Or every cell emits its own electromagnetic field. And the combination of all our cells emitting their fields from all our organs and tissues creates our biological electromagnetic field that surrounds our body. Um, and this is true, that the heart's got its own electromagnetic field, and that's what's being measured in an ECG. Mm -hmm. So when you get an ECG scan on the heart, that's what's being measured. So it's measurable. Mm -hmm. It's real. Yeah. Um, and what they know, and you can research this from the HeartMath Institute, is that we use these fields to communicate with each other. 
an easy example is when you walk into a room where someone's say say you've gone, gone over to a friend's house yeah. and him and his partner have just had a big fight now you don't know that but you walk in and you can feel the tension in the air that's because as humans we can sense that energy we can feel that in the field okay. and it's been shown through the research at HeartMath that we can actually regulate our children's field so the energy we bring to a situation actually changes their field like okay, wow. have you ever yeah. been around someone where you feel like that you just feel calm in their presence like yes, you feel you. it ease. <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's not by accident you know yeah, like i mean i've worked very hard got coming from a very anxious anxious background and and life especially through my late teens and 20s mm-hmm. um very anxious and okay. um using what i know i've been able yep. to create yeah. this sense of peace and calm and you know it's really yeah. nice that other people yeah. feel it too yeah, sure. but but it's it, i mean there's a science behind it mm-hmm. it's not just my personality although it kind of is now yeah. but um we can use our calm presence to influence the emotions of our children and this has been documented mm-hmm. so the other thing i'll say is that it's so important that parents understand that they are the example mm-hmm. okay i've actually yeah. worked with some people who um dealing with say a bit of an older daughter we'll say and yeah. the daughter was you know about to enter high school so i was getting a, a bit more of an attitude and yeah. um, it was wreaking havoc on the relationship and one of the big mm-hmm. problems for the mother was that the daughter was speaking back and speaking poorly and yelling to her yeah. but in response the mother would yell back mm-hmm. and it's like okay mum, you feel justified in yelling at your kid because mm-hmm. they've yelled at you first but if the principle is that we do not speak to each other like that in this household you need to set the example for that because in your mind it's justified but in her mind it's also justified yes so is it, 100%. it, it so yeah. is yeah. is is there room to yell and speak to yeah. each other like that or not and if there's not mm. well then you can't break your own rule and that goes back to what you mm. said you don't mm. want to be triggered by the child mm. and, and that may happen yeah. you may get that emotional rush but there's a series of of sequences that happen in your body before that manifests as you reacting and like I said, that's where the breath can come in. If you, if you yeah. feel that rush of stress hormone. Yes, you just stop and breathe. You've just got to take yeah. a breath. You know, you've yeah. got to use your high level thinking to know this yeah. will only make things worse. And, and yes. in my mind, it's never justified yeah. to, to snap yeah. back. Yeah. Um, you have got to master ourselves and be the adult and be the example. And mm-hmm. then we can come from a place of love and compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, getting on the level of the child and mm-hmm. trying your best to you know, show them compassion in that state you know maybe even reasoning with a child might be challenging it depending on the age even if they're in a good mood you know what i mean but but like i said there's ways to make things worse and there's ways to make things better Mm -hmm. and reacting Mm -hmm. to the child emotionally Mm -hmm. yourself that's them pulling your puppet strings i talk about that a lot yeah you know, it's a recipe for disaster because oh, yeah. you're not you're not being the role model. You're not you you're literally you've just hit the nail on the head there. You're saying um, you're yelling and upset with them for you know flipping their lid, and yet you've responded by flipping your lid. You know, or they've heard you flip your lid to your partner. They've mimic and mirroring that. So at all times, when children are around, we have to ask ourselves: How am I speaking to my partner? How am I speaking to myself? You know, I actually parenting is absolutely like the mirrors in your face. So yeah, that's, that's a, you know, a, and exactly those children was... will trigger you with being so similar to you. I think this is where we there's a whole heap of stuff that we can do as individual, like our if we know we're investing in our children and we want the best for our children, we literally got to work on ourselves first. Yeah, massively. I totally agree. And you hit the nail on the head saying it's a mirror. You know, it absolutely is a mirror. And, um, you know, children, I can imagine, well, I mean, I'm a stepfather, you know, and it, it's such great fuel for spiritual growth because mm-hmm. it, it's challenging. And, and, you know, life yeah. is challenging, but kids are really challenging. Yeah. So if you can yeah. foster the right attitude in response to those challenges, mm-hmm. your development of self will just skyrocket. Mm-hmm. Or you can be reactive. And, you know, the other thing I was going to say about when we get reactive is that typically the pattern is that once you're reactive and you have flipped your lid and then things kind of settle and you calm down and you realize, oh, I didn't handle that well, then you've got guilt. Yeah. Then you've got shame yes. and then you're a crap mark and you start this negative talk and, you know, that yeah. negative bias comes into mm-hmm. play. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it might be useful to mention at this point that 
if you ask someone who, who's a parent and and mm-hmm. you you know let's say you've got a lot of anxiety or, or stress and mm-hmm. you do tend to feel your emotions quite strongly maybe you're an empath or a cancer like mm-hmm. what i am yep. cancers feel their emotions very strongly yeah, yeah. A- and you're someone who is um falling victim to these reactionary outbursts to your children the first that there are four stages to changing behavior okay okay so the first stage is when you're kind of unconscious of the behavior so you might get triggered you have this rush of hormones in the body and that leads to a reaction and that's just how you operate and it's unconscious you don't know the second level is when basically this reactionary behavior is causing so many problems and there's enough pain there that you start to pay attention to it. It's like having a sore ankle. You know, mm-hmm. the pain directs us where to look. So at yeah. that stage, you begin to go, okay, this is not working. Something's up. What mm. what can I do to improve my life? Then you start becoming aware of your emotional reactions. So that's phase two. The thing about phase two is that you become aware, but you struggle to change behavior. Mm-hmm. Like you might begin to feel that that trigger, the effect of that trigger, and you know this is when you're supposed to stop, but just, it's like the biological tide of that current of those emotional reactions. It's too strong. It's too strong. Yeah. It's too autonomous. You yeah. react anyway. Yeah. The next phase, phase three, is when you've been practicing awareness and you've been working on yourself and then you get triggered, you feel the emotions, but you've got enough clarity of mind to not react. And even though you still might want to, your greater wisdom says, okay, it's time to just walk away from this and not react. And sometimes, you know, you're driving home after an argument and you're like, oh, I should have said this, I should have said that. And it's like, no, 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 you did the right thing just by walking away. Because yes. that's your ego. Yeah. That's your ego wanting to get them back. Yeah. The higher self walks away and, and, mm. and doesn't make mm. things worse. Yes. Um, and then the final stage is that you don't get triggered anymore at all. So there's not even that desire to want to react. Yeah, so do you still get triggered by external what kind of things trigger you uh that'd be interesting because i feel like you you were talking about enlightenment and and your journey to enlightenment um i'd be interested to know what used to be your triggers and and what maybe a left trigger in you yeah well i'll definitely say that i'm still human um and and i absolutely still get triggered and it's always a work in progress and there's probably always going to be work to do um but i've definitely got a whole lot more compassion for myself throughout the whole process and i can always extract lessons and and uh, learnings from when i make you know suboptimal choices i can always go okay what can i do better next time um i'll say that i'm more susceptible to becoming emotionally reactive when my body my as in my organism my physical body is ripe for it so there are certain things that make your body more prone to those sorts of outbursts so a lack of sleep is one yes big one big one for Mm -hmm. parents isn't it um sleep deprivation dehydration is another so dehydration can create a stress response in the body um not eating high quality food can result in irritability and symptoms which manifest as emotions as well um those are just some examples um, as far as what used to be my triggers, oh man, I, I was a very um, insecure, jealous, um, 20-year-old man at one point in my life um, and um, was projecting, you know, um, yeah, all sorts of insecurities onto relationships and things like that. Um, but those were probably uh, the biggest ones, you know. It, I've even got compassion for my old self. I think the whole time I had a pure heart. Um, I just, you know, again, was subject to changes in hormones at that age and these, you know, certain motivational drives. And, you know, I I was just um, imperfect like we all are. But, um, I mean, that's fostered a lot of really positive growth because it leads to a lot of pain. As far as these days go, you might have to talk to Allura. (laughs) Allura could probably tell you what triggers me. Um, yeah, well, thank you for sharing, though. Like, I think, you know, you you saying um, having compassion for your younger self, and I think that's a really, a really beautiful thing that we could take away from uh, is we are often our worst self-critic mm-hmm. uh, and we'll be like, I should have said that, I did that, or, um, you know, that, that feedback we get about ourselves, like, I think we learn a lot when we're in this trajectory and leadership, a role in leadership. 
I think this 360 degree leadership thing is where we're asking others for feedback about how we're performing, about how we're showing up. Um, because a role in leadership or a role in a management position, people are looking to you at all times, but you're only human. So you're going to make errors, you're going to stuff up, you're going to you know, make mistakes, saying sorry, being vulnerable and saying, actually, that was a part of me. You triggered maybe a part of me that I'm very insecure about. And I think we need to be very human about it and be, you know, it's okay to be vulnerable. So I'm so sorry, I said something. I can see that's upset you. But give me feedback about how I could be in this role and serving you better. Totally. Well, well I think the first thing is understanding that at all times, everyone is just doing the best they can. Mm-hmm. At all times, mm-hmm. everyone is just doing the, the best, best they, they can. can. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and you know, we, we, again, compassion is a, a big part of that. Um, mm. There's this beautiful model of decision making um, that I use with my clients mm-hmm. and it says that there are three choices we can make in reference to any person, place, or thing. The first choice is the optimal choice, and that's when we get it right. Okay. The second choice is what's called the suboptimal choice, and that's where we get it wrong. Okay. But because we're human, we're going to get it wrong. So there's actually a way to translate a suboptimal choice into an optimal choice. Beautiful. And that's through learning from our mistakes. Uh-huh. Wow. Okay, it's only a suboptimal choice if you continue to yeah. make that same mistakes. Oh, yeah. So that same mistake. So you've got to learn from it. And, and what that means is that you can then return to balance, say, or return to the path with that greater wisdom, having learned from that experience. So as far yeah. as leadership goes, yeah. as, as long as you um, put your hand up and take responsibility, yes. that gives permission for your team to do the same. You know, if if you are getting genuine feedback, that gives permission for you to do the same to your team members. You know, we're all trying to just improve and develop and grow. Um, so yeah, it's all about being the role model, being the example, and um, taking responsibility for yourself first and foremost. Yeah. You know, understanding that you're not perfect and you're going to get it wrong sometimes. And then the third option that you have when making a choice in reference to any person, place, or thing is no choice, which is actually a choice. Um, And there are three reasons you wouldn't make any choice. The first is because you need more information. So maybe you need to, you know, gather more information, do some research before making your choice, and that'll increase the opportunity or the chances of making the optimal choice. Um, Another reason you may may make no choice at all is because you're becoming emotionally reactive. So you want to call a timeout and cool down before making a choice. And that'll once again, increase your chances of making the optimal choice. And the last reason you may make no choice at all is because you don't actually care about the thing that you're making a choice in reference to. So often people like that are empathetic and don't really care enough to make a choice. And and those people need a bit more structure and, and guidance in their life and need to get clear on what they actually want from their life. Mm-hmm. And that'll give them the motivation they need to start making Uh, choices yeah amazing wow uh so much so much awesome content uh i just i'm wondering if we could do a few minutes of breath work yeah uh, because i think for the listeners just getting in there having some breath work and then we're going to finish off with some quick fire questions uh so yeah i'm i'm thinking if you're okay to do that we're going to do a little bit of breath work with gene kelly let's do it so first of all why don't you paint a picture of for your listeners of the context in which this breath work is taking place. So it's okay, probably sure. nearly what, five o'clock in the afternoon, yeah. Yeah. about We're to knock tired. off work. Yeah. We nearly uh, got so locked tired in. <laughs> and, and, and pro- probably, probably yeah. about to go home to family work, you know, things at home. So what we'd want to do is calm right down, but then remain a bit energized just so we can be there um, for, our, for our loved ones. So what I'd like to do is, first of all, recommend that you don't do this driving. Please pull over before you do this. But you can totally do this in the car before you drive off. But go ahead and close your eyes and bring all of your attention to your breath. And what I'd like you to do now is place one hand over your heart and one hand on your belly. And just continue to breathe naturally. But begin to notice where you're breathing. Use those hands for feedback of where you're breathing into your body. So do you lift through the chest or do you expand through the belly? 
Are you breathing through your mouth or are you breathing through your nose? Are you breathing fast or are you breathing slow? Just notice to begin with. And now I'd like you to try your best to breathe deeper into your belly. So if you're not already, try not to let your chest rise and instead allow your belly to expand on the inhalation. So you should feel with the hand that's on your chest that your chest is nice and still. And you should feel that your belly is expanding with the hand that's on your belly. And wherever you are, we're going to take a gentle breath in through the nose. Gentle breath out through the nose. And then breathe in. Two, three, four, and out. Two, three, four. Breathe in. Two, three, four, and out. Two, three, four. Breathe in to your belly and out of your belly. Breathe in to your belly and out of your belly. Breathe in two, three, four, and hold two, three, four. Breathe out two, three, four. Breathe in two, three, four, and hold. Breathe out two, three, four. Breathe in just like that with a hold up top and when you're ready just exhale so just continue that rhythm but forget the count now it's just a gentle inhale into the belly and then a hold at the top and then when you're ready just exhale and with every exhale begin to allow yourself to relax with every exhale Allow the physical muscles of your body to lose their tension. For example, whenever your next exhale rolls around, try to relax your face, unclench your jaw. And on the next exhale, allow your shoulders and arms to drop and become heavy. And there's no rush, you may be able to repeat some of this, but whenever the next exhale comes around, allow your body to melt into your seats. And then whenever the next exhale rolls around, relaxing your legs, your calves, your feet and your toes, as everything sinking and relaxing with every exhale. And now we're going to do about 15 big, strong, quite rigorous breath in, breaths in. And as I count you down, we're going to hold at the end of that. So we're going to pick up the pace a little. Let's have a go. So breathing in. Letting go. Full breath in. That's that mouth or nose, breathing in, letting go, tend to go. That's it, notice those changes in the body, breathing in, letting go. You might feel the energy building. You might get a little bit dizzy and tingly. It's okay, just keep breathing. Five more now. Five. Four, three, two, one more in and hold. Now a nice long exhale. Just allow your breath to return to normal, whatever it needs. Just returning to a nice, regular rhythm, gentle, relaxed, a little bit slower, a little bit calmer. And when you're ready, you can go ahead and open your eyes. So I'm going to ask you a question. 
Why don't you explain to the listeners how that felt on your end? Like, what was that experience like? How are you feeling now? Is that effective? Yeah, wow. So, that's amazing. And I think the things that come to mind is shifting lower into a state of calm, um, shifting out of a fear state response. So, if you are heightened, stressed, um, you've had a really busy day, you've really you can shift, I think, into a state of uh, presence and awareness of the present moment. So for me, I almost get the senses of the light, the room, it feels more spacious. There's more colour in the person in front of, like, do you know what I mean? I feel almost like it's a peeling away of the onion layers um, and how this can... Uh, there's tingling in the fast breath. Yep, yep, that's um, normal. And dizziness, yep, normal. which I, I know is normal. Yep, I think you tell yep. us that. Best to do it seated or lying down and, and not driving for yeah, that reason. Yeah, <laughs> for that reason, the tingles are, wow, but... Um, now, I'm tempted wow. to say that the, the spaciousness that you can now perceive in the external world is probably a reflection of the space we've created in the internal world. You know, you've, you've created room for yourself to, to just be, you know. What I'll say, though, is that for, for a lot of people that don't have a contemplative practice like meditation or breath work, yeah. going into a slow breathing flow like that, uh, particularly unguided, just at their own uh, volition, it's going to be challenging because the monkey mind will keep spinning. So it's important that what we just did was what's called a breath flow. So it's like a it's like a, an expression or a, a song that I've just created. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So we started slow and finished fast. But okay. if you were someone with a monkey mind, I would flip it. I would start fast and then finish slow. Uh-huh. So just do it the other way around. Okay. But there's no, no reason you couldn't do a sandwich. So you go from fast to slow, then finish fast again. I've created breathwork routines like that. Right. Um, and you could do a start slow, do one round of fast in the middle, then go back to slow. Uh-huh. Like it's totally creative. But again, yeah. if you understand the principles and the dynamics yeah. of the fast versus slow breathing, yeah. you can totally create, you know, mm-hmm. really cool, cool shifts, experiences. shifts in being alert, being in a calm, alert state. So we're more focused. Um, I just think people... <laughs> need to get onto this <laughs> yeah well you know it's it's it is uh changing the world it's oh, it's, yeah. working. it's it, working it works yeah. and that's why breath work is becoming more and more popular there are hundreds of new facilitators being trained every year yeah. um it's it is taking the world by storm what would be my dream to do was to yeah bring this into the more of the you know small business and corporate spaces oh, like understanding 100%. just mm. through physiology like here's how it affects your brain mm. and here's how that will translate to optimizing your performance at yeah. work and at home yeah i think you will i'm hoping we can get you back with our team building days i would uh, love that, for yeah. that you know the breath work the meditation but just how staff can start to feel safe in their own body and in their own skin. Um, I think, you know, you show up to a, a role in, in any of your profession, whatever your profession is, but this is allowing you to be sharp and calm and consistent, um, which and we all want to be. And the tool's right under your nose. It's right, it's right there. Nose. Yeah, yeah, no, it's awesome. Um, I think, look, there's one last question I'm just going to pop in there uh, because we work with children um, on the spectrum or ADHD. So we've got a lot of children. So before we get into the quick fire questions, Jean, can you tell me about your experience with children and the ice and what are the benefits, especially if you've got a child with a diagnosis and do you feel safe maybe telling us a little bit around how it might be helping children? Yeah, yeah. So kids are great. Um, I was a swim teacher for many years and worked with kids, small kids teaching them how to swim, including kids with special needs. Um, and, and there's you know a whole host of benefits for anyone who's getting into the ice. Um, there's metabolic benefits, there's physiological benefits, there's mental benefits, emotional benefits. I really center on the mental and emotional side of things because I think that's the felt experience. Like the physical benefits are one thing, but there are things that we could do that are way easier than getting an ice (laughs) that offer similar benefits that people still don't do. So if you can't lift the medium weight, why would you go to the heavy? You know what I mean? Mm. But Mm. when it comes to the mental and emotional benefits, it's it's different. Um, There's actually a really cool story. I was at one of our community events one time and um, a mother came up to me and said, hey, I've got my son here, and the boy was special needs. Yeah. 
And um, for some reason, he's been dying to jump in an ice bath. And then we saw this event was happening. So he brought him down. Is it cool to jump in? And I said the same thing to all the parents. I said, look, as long as the kids know they can get out at any time, no one forces them to stay in and the parent's responsible. Yes. Okay. The parents supervising, they're responsible. Um, And she just said, yep, all all good. So the kid jumps in Mm -hmm. and the most amazing thing happened. He closed his eyes and he started singing the Pokemon theme song. Do you know the lyrics to that song? No. It goes... I want to be the very best, the best there ever was. He's singing to himself this, this anthem about, about self-improvement. I want to be the best and, and I'm doing this hard thing so I can be the best. It was amazing. It was the most inspiring thing. Did he sing out loud? Yeah, yeah. Just singing to himself in the ice bath, just shivering through it like, I want to be the very best. So that's what it takes. That's what it takes to be the very best. It's not easy to be the very best, no. the best there ever was. But this kid was embodying that. Man, these these kids are wise. Like mm. all kids, they're, they're so wise. Um, yeah. But as far as doing it for kids, we, we get a lot of kids down at the beach these days. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and again, parental supervision, as long as there's no significant health issues, um, yeah. as far as like heart conditions and things. Yeah. Yeah, give it a go. They can go in just to their feet or their waist. They don't have to go all the way down. But I see like some parents will bring like their five kids and they'll all do it together. I see like fathers bringing this, his son and daughter doing it together. And it's so empowering. It's so incredible because our young people need to be taught resilience. They need to understand how much stronger they are because I don't think they're being taught that, you know, and and especially with all the toxicity that's out there as far Mm -hmm. as social media and how that rots the brain and and all the short-term gratification that kids can engage in uh the temptations Mm of um, sex and drugs and alcohol all this thing Mm -hmm. to to get young people in the ice and fostering Mm -hmm. that inner strength look when you sit in the ice for two minutes you're not going to give a damn what a bully says about you because you've proven to yourself what a badass you are because you can handle that (laughs) i love those bullies aren't going to get in that ice like what you can. You no, know what I mean? So wow. it's that self-empowerment, yeah. that self-confidence, and that that energy Gosh. translates to, yeah. to you know, your, yeah. your relationships and your interactions. Yeah. So I think it's incredibly empowering awesome. for young people. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. safe. You know, the reality is that, you know, the temperature isn't so cold that it's going to hurt anyone, um, yeah. you know, especially for the durations that we're in. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a shock for sure, but, mm. you know, it's, it's not zero degrees. So. Yeah. Uh, and just how you said, you know, they can put their feet in, knees in. And my daughter has been doing ice baths with me now um, and she loves coming along. And so she put her feet in, in the community one for the first time. It was amazing. But at home, she'll actually come in, put her knees in and stay in for as long as she can. And I have just been so inspired by her. She's five and a half. She's highly anxious. She's my daughter, so we've got a lot of anxiety. But um, she is just she's invigorate like yeah maybe that resilient like oh you're strong daddy daddy can't get it like Papa yeah, can't yeah. get in the ice but you are wow to your knees yeah you I, know? I think they they need that fostered in them for sure mm, now yeah. my stepson he um yeah. he got exposed to the ice baths through me and um awesome. you know he comes home he's just started high school and he'll come home and say to mom oh look i'm really really stressed can i jump in an ice bath Wow. Mum's like, yep, absolutely. They go get yeah. three bags of ice, put it in the cold <laughs> bath, and any yeah. and he gets in. Yeah. This is a twelve-year-old. You know yeah. what I mean? It's yeah. like so many wow. other kids are like yeah. jumping online and playing video games or eating yeah. junk food and, yeah. and fostering um, mm. behaviors that are likely to lead to depression and anxiety. Mm. This kid's refreshing and resetting himself and, and self-regulating through ice. Oh, it's um, he's an amazing kid. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much here. I think. Uh, yeah, I think there's so much here. Gosh, you'll be back for a third episode. Let's do it, yeah. I'm thinking yeah. we're up to part two. Yeah. And there's some quick fire questions, but Let's... I sort of get to the point where I don't want to end the conversation. There's just so much, uh, wow, amazing stuff um, that you're doing. I think the listeners are going to get so much value out of this. Uh, so thank you, Jean. It's been uh, an absolute pleasure to have you. And I know, um, you know, fitting us into your day, I'm, I'm truly uh, grateful. So thank you. No, thank um, you. And, and for the record, I'm happy to be here and we'll definitely come back for a third time. You know, it's, <laughs> uh, it's an opportunity to express myself and get the message out there because I know mm. this stuff will help people. And I mentioned it to you um, before we started recording. It feels like for the better part of a decade, I've known some of these things and I've been trying to tell anyone who will listen. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. you know, 
finally uh, I'm finding people who are interested in, in optimizing the human experience. So yeah, I'm more than happy to share. Thank you. Awesome. So here's some quick fire questions. I just, this is just the fun part. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you can't really think about the I won't. Answers. I won't go on. No, okay. you just go boom. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got it. <laughs> what book are you reading or listening to at the moment and why? Okay. It's called The Mystic Mind, which is all about the neurobiology of religious experiences. So what's actually happening in the brain when we encounter, you know, these feelings of being one with the universe that can happen in yoga and and meditation and breath work and psychedelics even and these ancient plant medicines they they basically bring you into union with god that's the that's the feeling and the experience and i'm curious about what's happening in the brain that fosters and gives rise to that experience so that's called the mystic mind amazing and what is the best book you have ever read and why oh there'd be like a top 25 probably (laughs) but um you Are the Placebo by Joe Dispenza really shifted my paradigm quite a bit. It's all about the science of the placebo effect. For those who don't know, the placebo effect is when um, doctors give their patients sugar pills with no medicine in it, but they believe they've taken medicine and then the body heals itself. So it's a testament to the power of the human mind. And, and I really, um, I was so curious when I read that about just what the mechanics are physiologically as to how that happens, how the mind can heal the body um, and that started, or at least was a chapter in the, the big rabbit hole. So that's, that's um, You Are the Placebo by Joe Dispenza. Amazing. Um, what is your favorite food? Oh, favorite food. Eggs. <laughs> yeah. Fried, scrambled. So I, I, I've got a really nice, that's called um, Asian style scrambled eggs. Ooh, so I, um, a bit of oil in the pan with some spring onions, ginger and chili. Ooh. And then I, once they've kind of cooked, I add in a bit of um, a whisked egg. So I normally do about four or five eggs at a time. Wow. And then um, on the side, a bit of bok choy. And then I drizzle a bit of tamari sauce, which is like a soy sauce over all that. And it's, I have that about every day. Sounds cool because I just put uh, milk and cheese with my scrambled <laughs> eggs or whatever, yeah, yeah. fried eggs. Oh, that sounds awesome. I'm going to try that. If we got paid to play, what would your f- typical favorite day look like? I feel like you're embodying your vision very well. Yeah, today was a good day. This is actually the second podcast I've done today. <laughs> yeah, so amazing. people want to hear what I've got to say, which is <laughs> amazing. Um, because I love expressing myself, but mm. I, I would probably put on like some sort of community event or workshop. Um, maybe it'll be at a retreat that Allure and I are running. Um, I, I, I prob- one of my favorite things is when I've finished a retreat with Allure, like three days of deep inner work with like 15, 20, 25 people. Mm. And we've wrapped it up. It was a huge success. And we make our way to a hotel or Airbnb. And then it's like celebration time. We sleep in and we get a buffet breakfast the next morning. Like those experiences are cool. Aww. Time with the stepkids and my family I love. Yeah. Um, a walk in nature would be there. All those yeah. types of elements. Yeah. yeah. Do you surf or No, I watched, I watched Jaws as a kid and then <laughs> never learned to surf because I was terrified of the ocean. I enjoy going to the beach and swimming now, but I never learned. Um, but yeah, hi- hiking through Glen Rocks is probably my favorite awesome. thing to do. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, how can we face our fears head on and move confidently in the direction of our dreams? Great question. <laughs> Great question. A perfect question for the quick fire section. <laughs> we should pick this up on part three. But I think that it requires a willingness. So you've got to be willing. When, where there's a will, there's a way. I think it's got to be towards something of value. So you need to establish a vision for yourself that's worth going through hard things in order to achieve. So you can imagine it's like whatever you want, it's at the top of the mountain. Okay. And you've got to, that's got to motivate the will for you to keep stepping forward. So it's actually a big part of my coaching program is developing this kind of terrain. It's like, okay, where are we? Where are we going? And how are we going to overcome the challenges to getting there? But yeah, I think it needs, it starts with a vision, getting clear on what you want or if necessary, what you don't want. Mm. Because oftentimes it's, it's, it's not so much um, the, the action that we regret, but the inaction because like not pursuing something that you 
want consciously means you're probably going to pursue something that you don't want unconsciously. We're all going somewhere Mm. and it's only after decades that our seeds will bear fruit. Mm. So Mm. if you pay attention and use your consciousness to do it intentionally, you can make sure that food is sweet and and, and not sour. Mm. Yeah. Amazing. Oh my gosh. See how just answer that question that was thrown at you. (laughs) Uh, Amazing. Thank you so much. I honestly think there's a part three. (laughs) I think this is incredible. I'll come back anytime. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Jean.